Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> ah, hello there. How wonderful it is to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. For this bonus episode of the podcast, I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got a very interesting story to tell as I pull out our very own copy of the Necronomicon from the bookcase of haunted tales, lost manuscripts, and forgotten tomes. I flip through these haunted pages and come across a very interesting incantation. For anyone who has wondered what it's like to live forever, traveling from one body to the next, this particular tale is right up your alley. So without further ado, on this bonus episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Shudder-exclusive Suitable Flesh. Suitable Flesh is a film that actually came out last year, in 2023. Now, it was released in, I believe... October, October 27th, it was released to theaters, had a limited release there, and had a limited run on video on demand. And here, just within the past few days, like late last week, it was released as a Shutter exclusive. And I almost didn't do an episode on this because, for the most part, I was like, oh, well, this was released in 2023. I didn't realize that it was going to be a Shutter exclusive, I guess. And I was like, oh, it's last year maybe i'll watch it eventually and then maybe do a random curiosity about it or what have you but then when i realized that oh this was released on shutter let me watch this and we can talk about it because i'm sure there's a lot of people like me that never got to watch it in its original theatrical run because it was a limited run it was out for a very short time and probably had a limited number of theaters i know our theater locally did not have it uh, so I, I think a lot of people are going to be in my boat or they didn't want to spend the money on it for a video on demand purchase or viewing. But now that it's out on Shutter, I thought, well, this is a good chance to watch this. And it's a good opportunity to be able to talk about this because there was so much about this movie that I just didn't realize. I mean, I knew it's called Suitable Flesh. I knew it had a laundry list of good names, big names in film. Uh, Heather Graham, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Shake, Bruce Davison. Newcomer Judah Lewis. There's a lot of really good names here and actors from things that uh, a lot of people have seen. Uh, so that that's pretty much what I knew about it. But I didn't realize until watching the movie and then doing some research afterwards that, yeah, this movie is actually based on the 1937 H.P. Lovecraft story, The Thing on the Doorstep. And I understand why they didn't do that as a title for the movie, because this adaptation really does away with the titular thing on the doorstep, but keeps the spirit of the rest of the story intact. And a lot of the characters, while they flip-flop things a little bit. So we'll talk about all of that once we get into the spoiler section. But, but it really is an interesting movie. It's a movie I quite enjoyed watching. I didn't love it. 
but uh, I certainly didn't hate it, and it was an enjoyable watch. And I've I know that there's going to be a lot of critics and commenters out there that aren't going to like this movie because this movie has an interesting vibe to it. It's directed by Joe Lynch, and if you know any of Joe Lynch's work, I mean, the guy's done uh, a lot of work on the Creepshow anthology series. And this movie is really stylized to that. With Creepshow, it is very pulpy. It feels like a comic book come to life on the screen. And you get that with this. I mean, it really plays into Joe Lynch's style of, of filmmaking where you feel like this could have been an episode of Creepshow, like just an hour and a half long episode of Creepshow because it had that style, the vibrant colors, very over-the-top scores and a, a bit of camp to it. And he did things with interesting camera angles that felt very much like the pages of a comic book. It was almost like he took H.P. Lovecraft's story and made a graphic novel of it, then adapted that graphic novel to the big screen, but kept that kind of creep show style of pulp and low budget and the over-the-top camp feel of it. There's a lot of interesting camera angles, like I said. There's a lot of interesting transition scene transitions and dissolves where it kind of uh it's kind of that George Lucas thing that he did in Star Wars. And it harkens back to an older style of filmmaking where you know screens will wash from left to right to reveal a new scene or things will circle out or circle in to transition to the next scene. You had that with this where the, the screen washes to black through this circle that just goes from the size of the screen to nothing and, and you're, you're fade to black and then into the next scene. They did a lot of interesting, fun things like that. that like I said, kind of harken back to an older style of filmmaking that doesn't come across as cool these days, but it really adds, like I said, it adds to the pulp and the camp of this that I think is very much uh, intentional. Now, it may be some people's cup of tea. I, for one, really enjoyed it. Uh, other people may not dig that style of filmmaking, but it really is a, a personal preference, I, I think, as opposed to being good or bad filmmaking. And it was also written by Dennis Paoli, who is known for Reanimator, directed by Stuart Gordon, who they dedicated this movie to at the very end of it. Uh, but he wrote Reanimator back in 85, from Beyond, another Stuart Gordon movie, which actually had Barbara Crampton in it. Ghoulies 2, The Pit and the Pendulum, Body Snatchers, Dagon, another Stuart Gordon film based on Lovecraft. There's a lot of Lovecraft alum in this. Of course, Dennis Paoli is no stranger to Lovecraft works with Reanimator, From Beyond, Dagon. Uh, this movie has a lot of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft alum. A lot of people have worked on it. Dennis Paoli, Dennis Paoli, Barbara Crampton, she worked on From Beyond and Reanimator. So it's really cool to see uh, a lot of these uh, same names that keep coming up that, that work on Lovecraft stories. I forgot, Dennis Paoli uh, also worked with uh, Stuart Gordon on the Masters of Horror adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's Dreams in the Witch House. And as far as a Lovecraft adaptation goes, I think we'll get a little more in depth in the 
Things that differ from the movie and the page, I'm not going to dig too much into that just because they are different stories. The same idea, just done differently because one is told in a more modern day as opposed to one being told back in the early 1900s. But they have a lot of similarities that, that I quite enjoyed as far as an adaptation goes. But as far as this being an adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's work, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the idea of the story, even though it may not have been done exactly as the book goes. Uh, I enjoyed all the acting in this. Uh, I enjoyed the script, and I enjoyed, like I said, the camp and the kind of almost comic book feel to this and it had a bit of pulp it had that cheesiness and that camp that and that that cheap feel i mean there's there's sets where it's a high-rise building and heather graham is looking outside and you can tell it is just a set with a, a blue background outside the window and light shining on it to be a, a sky you know it's fake it's not a real sky out there but I didn't care. It kind of added to the ambiance of this film and the otherworldly quality to it. And I think that's the one thing you get with this, with all of the the vivid colors and the, the lo-fi way of doing this and the low, I don't want to say low quality of it, but this is a, a low budget film made on uh, the cheap. Uh, it, it adds to almost a fairy tale like quality. Of this, maybe fairy tale is is not the right way because that sounds like it's a happy tale, and it's certainly not a happy tale. But it does have kind of that otherworldly uh, Grimm's fairy tale feel to it because of all these different elements that Joe Lynch has put together to, to create this movie. Cheap charm, maybe that's the best way to put it. Cheap charm is what this movie has. Now, I've heard a lot of people describe this as kind of a body horror horror film. Uh, I, I don't know. As a, I, I, I agree with that to a degree as well. Uh, with a name like Suitable Flesh. And I, I know they couldn't go with the thing on the doorstep because there is no thing on the doorstep in this adaptation. Uh, suitable Flesh makes it sound like it's going to be a little more body horror centric. And, and it does lean into a little bit of that. The transitions that you see in this uh, have bone cracking and contorting. And, and it does have a semblance of body horror to it. But it didn't have enough to be considered body horror, I don't think. And, and I almost wish it did. I think that would have amped up the horror. But there again, that's special effects. That's money. And this movie obviously was not made for a ton of money. And any money that it did have was probably spent on getting some of these name actors. You had Heather Graham playing the Elizabeth Derby character, uh, psychiatrist. You had Judah Lewis playing the Aso Waite character, uh, Elizabeth's patient. Uh, I liked their dynamic. Uh, Heather Graham has this... This quality about her, uh, a very, not innocent quality, but a very likable quality, I guess you could say. But then she does like slip into this darker side and it's it's very believable. And then when you, when you see some of the things she has to do from an acting standpoint, and we'll get into that a little bit later, uh, it, it is quite believable. Same with Judah Lewis. You may remember him. He's done... A few things on Netflix. He was in the Christmas Chronicles 
movie with uh, Kurt Russell. He was in the first one. I, I know he's in, I heard he's in the second one, but I haven't watched that one yet. The Babysitter Killer Queen, he was in that. Summer of 84. So he's doing things and uh, getting a lot more screen time. And I'm glad because I really liked him. I thought he did a really good job as this troubled young man who is dealing with things with his father and uh, really did a good job. I mean, everybody in this was really going for it. They were acting like this wasn't a low-budget film. They were really putting on a show. Bruce Davison as Ephraim Waite, who is Ace's father, was was really good in what little screen time he got. Uh, Jonathan Sheck, he plays Edward Derby. He is the... Well, we'll get into that in the spoilery section of who's from the story and who's not. Uh, but uh, he's Elizabeth's husband. And I, it wasn't his performance. His performance was good. I just think it was the direction for his performance or maybe how the character was written. Probably more how the character was written. But he just seemed very like innocent and naive and kind of like one of those guys that's just perpetually lost. And and I, I think that's kind of how his character is. He's not working. All he does is sit around all day and work out and do whatever. So he's kind of almost like a man-child. Uh, so I, I, I get the performance. It was just really awkward on the screen. Not a slight against Jonathan Shake, not against Joe Lynch or the writing, but it was just awkward. I, that's the best I can say. And of course, Barbara Crampton plays Daniela Upton. She's another doctor, a colleague of Elizabeth's, and she does a, a really good job in this. Not in it a ton, but she's in it enough to be very integral to the story. We'll, we'll Leave it at that before we get into some spoilers. But this movie was very much an interesting take on a possession film. Uh, and that is the heart of this H.P. Lovecraft story. It's a possession story without being an atypical possession story, which I like that. I like possession stories, but I hate seeing the same exorcism story time after time. And this took that idea of possession and, and made it, interesting as hp lovecraft does in his hp lovecraft ways i like a lot of references to lovecraft stuff like necronomicon cthulhu you see little bits and pieces of it i don't think they explain enough of that in this and this is like just under an hour and 40 minutes i think you had time to maybe explain something but i almost wonder if it needed explaining for anyone who knows the cthulhu mythos and the necronomicon mythos they're going to get those. Those are going to be little Easter egg teasers. You don't really need to know the weather twos and the why fours of why this is happening or how this is happening, just that it's happening. So I have seen some complaints that nothing is explained as to the book and, and the imagery, but I don't think you have to have it explained. It is something pretty much for the fans of that kind of a if you know you know sort of situation so i was okay with that but all in all i enjoyed this movie it wasn't great there were some moments where the camp got a little too campy but then there were some really interesting cool things a scene with a backup camera that i thought was just uh, a brilliant scene and i loved how that played out and i can't wait to talk about it but i'm going to talk about it in the spoiler section so if you haven't watched suitable flesh you really do need to check this out if you love horror if you love hp lovecraft adaptations if you like uh it's cosmic horror but not really delving into the level of cosmic horror that lovecraft usually goes into but from directors 
and writers who really loved Lovecraft, especially uh, Dennis Paoli. He obviously loves adapting Lovecraft and is, is pretty good at it. Uh, for my estimation. So uh, go check it out on Shudder. Shudder's not that expensive. What, like six bucks to get it for a month? And you get a whole lot of content. You get a lot of cool original stuff. Go check it out. And then come back and see what I think about it. See if how it jibes with what you think about it. But if you have watched Suitable Flesh or you don't care one way or the other, we are going to continue on into some spoiler territory. So the one main difference that I am going to talk about from the story and the movie is all the gender swapping. And usually I'm not a big fan of gender swapping because it usually gender swapping and race swapping all seem to go in one direction. And I enjoyed this because they swapped both male and female characters because in the story, the thing on the doorstep, your two main characters are Edward Derby and Daniel Upton. And you have them swapped out for Elizabeth Derby and Danielle Upton. Now, there is an Edward Derby, Elizabeth's husband, that, but that's kind of just a nod to the character in the story and the name of the character in the story. Uh, you have a character, Azaneth Waite, who is a female and a love interest in the Edward Derby character in the story, where this is changed to Asa Waite, played by Judah Lewis. And he is kind of a quasi-love interest of the Elizabeth Derby character. The only character that doesn't change is the Ephraim Waite character played by Bruce Davison, the father of Asa and Asaneth in the in the story. But it really I enjoyed the the swapping of these roles. It didn't really have anything to do with the telling of the story. It just gave it from a different perspective. And it didn't affect the story, so it was very effective to to make the two lead characters female and the other lead from female to male. Uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, I liked how they did this story, very similar to how most Lovecraft stories go. Most Lovecraft stories are usually done epistolary, like in letters or a an account from a person. And that's kind of how this is done. The story is the account of what happened to the Derby character, uh, Edward Derby in the story, uh, Elizabeth Derby in the adaptation from Daniel Upton or Daniela Upton in the movie. Now, the movie does it a little bit different. It's not necessarily uh, Daniel Upton or Daniela Upton telling the story of Edward slash Elizabeth Derby. It is Elizabeth Derby telling her own story to Danielle Upton of how she came to know the Asa character and the horrors that ensue. Now, without going through this play-by-play -play and telling you beat-by-beat beat everything that happened, I'm just going to talk about some of the things I thought were really cool, some of the things I really enjoyed about this. And one of the things I really enjoyed about this was the opening scene where you have a body bag being unzipped and you have the Barbara Crampton character, Danielle Upton, and this guy that works in the morgue looking down into this body bag and commenting on how how he used to be so beautiful and this is what happens when uh, you know you see somebody uh, their insides on the outside it was you know alluding to a, a bit of disgust and horror that you never see until the very end so I, I, I liked that and as soon as you get to that ending and you realize you're going to see what they were commenting on earlier it was very satisfying and and done very well from a 
prosthetic and special effects makeup standpoint. But ultimately, like the main crux of this story is that Elizabeth Derby is a psychiatrist. Asa Waite comes to her saying he's having these out-of-body experiences. And then it eventually leads to the fact that there's something in his father that's trying to get into him. And when she goes to visit the father, that's when we get... The Necronomicon, which isn't really said by name, but you know that you see pictures of Cthulhu inside of it and all sorts of ancient languages and a, a bit of a face on the, the skin cover. And you know what it is if you know H.P. Lovecraft at all or if you've watched the Evil Dead series. But you realize that he's using some incantation to transfer his soul into his son and his son's soul into him or whatever is living inside of him now. They established that uh, something took over his father's body a long time ago, and after you've done this soul transference three times, it becomes permanent. Of course, whatever is in Asa's father gets into Asa for a third time and makes it permanent. His father, you know, the body dies and Asa's gone. And then you see this, whatever it is inside of Asa, trying to get inside of Elizabeth. And that's where this movie delves into a bit of eroticism that I don't think is a part of the original story. And it almost felt like some of those erotic thrillers from the 90s bordering on like Skinamax. You don't get any real graphic sex scenes. Like there isn't a ton of nudity. There's a little nudity. You see Heather Graham's boob and you see a little bit of nipple here and there. Uh, you see her haunches and stuff like that. But it's not overtly graphic in nudity. But, like, some of the sex scenes are, are very intense. A lot more so than I was expecting. But it did kind of have that erotic thriller feel to it in some of those scenes. Which, it was, you know, there was a lot of scenes, sexual-wise, that were just very unnerving. There was uh, a couple scenes where this entity is in somebody else's body and using that person to, you know, do things to another character, a female character that aren't cool to watch. And it's like, oh, oh God, they're going there. And added a bit of unease to this, this whole story, the whole sexual eroticism thing. It felt a little out of place at first, but it worked in a sense that it added like that unease to an already creepy story. You know, the whole soul transference thing, once you add... You know, kind of that Cthulhu mythos with the Necronomicon. Uh, that sort of thing always is, is very creepy. But yeah, the, the sex stuff just added a, a level of unease to the whole story that I, I think it really worked. Whether you liked it or you didn't like it or whether you found it out of place or what it needed to be, it, it's still, you know, you can't say that some of those scenes didn't make you uncomfortable. And the soul transference scenes, those were very jarring as well. Just from like the very shaky camera work and the the sound design that they put on that. Now that is something I kind of wish it would have gone a little further. I, I wish we could have seen a little bit more in the way of body horror there. But I don't know if it's just the movie needed that or called for that. You know, I wanted it. I wanted it to get gross and, and be disturbing and, and make me uncomfortable and make me cringe. But it was just a soul transferring from one body to another and, and vice versa. You didn't want things getting too crazy. 
but I think it was just enough that, you know, the whole body cracking thing, that's like a big thing in, in horror right now is bones cracking inside people's skin and contortions and stuff. Uh, we saw that in who swear the, uh, the bone woman, we've seen that in a bunch of different things as of late, but as much as I wanted it to dive a little more into body horror, I, the more I sit on it, the more I'm like, I don't think it needed to, to be quite honest. But you spend most of this movie uh, with this back and forth between the Asa character who has this entity in it and the Elizabeth character who he wants to be in. There is kind of a, an older woman, younger man relationship there that, I, you know, some people have a problem with that. Uh, I, it doesn't bother me. But I think one of the things I really liked the most about this was the performance of some of these individual actors when they have the entity inside of them as opposed to when they don't. Because I thought all of the actors did a really good job of playing themselves, playing their character. Heather Graham played uh, the Elizabeth Derby character quite well. Judah Lewis played Asa Waite quite well. Barbara Crampton played Daniela Upton quite well. Bruce Davison plays Ephraim Waite quite well. But then when they have this entity inside of them, and all of those, those four characters get the entity inside them at some point, there was a uniformity of performance that lent some believability into this same entity being in all four of them at one point or another. And it was just really creepy. The calm, seductive, bordering on psychotic personality that, that shows through, I thought they all did a really good job, especially Judah Lewis and Heather Graham, because they had this entity in them the most through this movie. And I thought both of them did a wonderful job, fantastic job of flipping the switch from playing their character to playing their character with this entity inside of them. And that's probably one of the things I enjoyed the most about this movie was just those two performances by themselves. Uh, Barbara Crampton did a, a really good job with that uh, as well because she probably had it in her a little more than Bruce Davison. Uh, we only got a little bit with him and the Ephraim Waite character, but, but they all did a fantastic job of, like I said, flipping that switch between their character and their character possessed by this entity that, who knows, is is uh, entity as old as time. It, it knows it's not going to die. It's just going to switch from body to body, and it is going to go on forever, just like it has gone on forever. So there is a cool and cruel confidence in these characters once they have this entity inside of them. Now, there's a little bit of blood and guts in this. Not a ton. You get people getting stabbed and cut and throat slashed, and there's, uh, you know, putrefied uh, remains of somebody in the basement at the weight house. Uh, but it doesn't really get gory the kind of gore you're looking for in a horror film until the very end when elizabeth derby is setting this trap for the asa weight character and the more so not asa but the entity that is inside asa where she's planning on having him try to take her over and just as he's about to take her over she's gonna fling herself out her office window and kill herself eventually conceivably killing this entity the thing that i was not expecting i, I probably should have i was not expecting how good it would be 
I think that's probably better stated. But the Asa character ends up falling out of this window and smacking on the sidewalk at the bottom of her building. And, you know, the head's smashed and she goes down and he's starting to revive because he's got this entity in him that cannot die. And she gets in her car and starts backing up to hit him. And you're in the backseat of her car looking at her. She's looking back as she's throwing it in reverse. And the backup camera on her vehicle, you see the hit as she hits Asa. And then she pulls forward. And then she hits it in reverse. And the backup camera comes on again. And you see her slamming it. They do that like two or three times. And it was just a brilliant way to film that scene. I had this huge ass shit-eating grin on my face as I'm watching this because I'm like, that's such a really interesting way to film this because she's backing up and, and hitting him against this building wall over and over again and we're watching it through the backup camera of her vehicle. Uh, to me, it was, it was a piece of filming brilliance. Maybe it's my pedestrian understanding of filmmaking. Uh, maybe I don't know anything about filmmaking and those are all valid statements. I don't. I've never made a film in my life. But as a viewer, I really loved that scene and how they filmed that through that backup camera. To me, it was it was freaking fun and it was a delight to watch. You're seeing the head smashed. You're seeing the blood and the guts and, well, maybe not guts, but the, the blood and, and all the carnage in this kind of low res, almost blurry at some points as she gets further away and close up. It gets bigger. It's just, it was done so well. And I really enjoyed that scene probably more than anything. And and the carnage of what he looked like after that was just disgusting. And then when we finally get that that climax where this entity is trying to get from Heather Graham to Barbara Crampton so it can get out of this mental facility. Because this is all, you know, the story is being told by Elizabeth Derby in this mental facility. The Asa character wakes up long enough to recite the incantation, gets into Elizabeth, and realizes that Elizabeth is going to be locked away forever in this mental facility. So then it tries to get into Daniela Upton. And you get this big fight over trying to take possession of bodies. And the way it ends... I had a good idea how it ended. Uh, I didn't think that this was going to have a happy ending. And, and it ended just the way you thought. Barbara Crampton's Daniela Upton character is inside of Heather Graham's Elizabeth Derby body. And this entity is inside of Dr. Upton. And even though it was a little bit predictable, I, it still was enjoyable. I still felt satisfied at the end of it. It didn't have the ending that the short story had from H.P. Lovecraft, but that it would have been a little too Tales from the Crypty, where you have the Edward Derby character in the putrefied body of the Aseneth Waite character showing up on the doorstep of the Daniel Upton character. You, you can't do that for this. It just wouldn't have worked. But I was very satisfied with the way this ended. But I really liked this movie. It, it wasn't a great movie, but it was a pretty good movie. And it was a pretty good Lovecraft adaptation, I felt. I, I really think that this movie, a, a lot of the complaints people have about it is the camp 
and like I said, the pulp feel to it. But this is a love letter of sorts to Stuart Gordon's Lovecraft stories that he did in the 80s. You know, stuff like Reanimator and From Beyond. Those Stuart Gordon films written by Dennis Paoli, uh, those kind of had that that feel of camp to it and that almost over-the-top cheesiness and low-budget quality to them. And I think that was a stylistic choice from Joe Lynch to do this movie this way as a as an homage to Stuart Gordon and his work as a continuation of his own style like i said you know the stuff he's done especially with like the creep show it kind of had that creep show vibe to it that i quite enjoy that that bit of pulp and camp that makes creep show so delightful even though it is you know these are low budget adaptations and stories being told for this anthology series it's so fun to watch them even if they aren't big budget movie quality and i think joe lynch captures that with this telling of this hp lovecraft story in this this adaptation which makes me excited i can't wait for the next dennis paoli film uh hopefully it's another lovecraft adaptation i really enjoy his his lovecraft stories it makes me excited for what uh, joe lynch has up his sleeve next really excited to see what he's gonna do is it gonna continue in the same kind of like i said campy pulp vein or is he gonna do something uh, with a different style I, I don't know I, I really enjoyed what they did from a writing and directing standpoint there's going to be some people that don't enjoy it but you have to understand why they did this movie this way you still may not like it but hopefully you can at least respect it and i think from a an acting standpoint a lot of really good performances Heather Graham was great. Judah Lewis, I really can't wait to see more of this kid. Barbara Crampton always does such a wonderful job in horror. I mean, she's uh, a bit of a scream queen herself. So it's always fun to see her show up in movies like this. So just a wonderful cast. And any of its shortcomings were really made up for by a wonderful cast, a wonderful story from a horror master in H.P. Lovecraft, expertly adapted by a guy who is no stranger to adapting Lovecraft in Dennis Paoli. I probably said his name different every time I've said it, and I'm probably butchering it. I, I know I've, I've watched interviews, and I know how to pronounce it. It's just getting that knowledge of how to pronounce his name out of my freaking mouth. But hopefully you enjoyed this movie as much as I did, because I really enjoyed it. There again, not a great movie, but a pretty good movie that is definitely an enjoyable watch. It's uh, just a shade under an hour and 40 minutes. I never really felt bored in this, and I was always kind of interested in where the story was going, uh, where the story is going to go next. How are they going to change things from the original, and how are they going to stay true to the original? It was very captivating for me to watch, and hopefully it was for you as well. So I want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on the Shudder-exclusive Suitable Flesh. You can check it out now on Shudder. There again, if you don't have Shudder, you know what, like six bucks, you can get it for a month. Try it out for a month. And check this movie out. They got a ton of other originals on there, as well as the classic horrors that we know and love, and definitely worth that six bucks just to check this movie out. So, want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on Suitable Flesh. Uh, pretty good horror flick for a Shutter exclusive to uh, kick off 
2024. Not their first original, but uh, their first exclusive. So uh, check that out, and uh, thanks for listening. You can check out more about what's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Uh, bonus episodes like this one uh, our main episodes that come out on Mondays and Thursdays, as well as all sorts of other horror, fantasy, and science fiction news on our Instagram and Facebook page. No matter where you listen to this podcast, please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. And whatever you do, please like, follow, subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it, because that way you'll get notifications on the, the newest episodes and any bonus episodes like this that sometimes I just, you know, get a wild hair across my ass. I'm like, I'm going to do a bonus episode. I'm going to do a random curiosity. And I have to do it and get it up quick without any fanfare. And you're going to find out late if you don't like, subscribe, follow this podcast, whatever you do. And, and don't forget to share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. We do appreciate that more than you'll ever know. It's the best way to help us build our numbers is for you to, to share with people that love this sort of talk like you do. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!